Retro Anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. And we have a special guest with us today, Marco. Say hi, everyone. What up? Hi. How's it going? Thank you guys for allowing me to grace the stage with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome aboard. Uh, so in this episode, we're talking monsters, demons, and just, just massive amounts of tentacles. Today, we're talking about the infamous Yurotsuki Doji. Legend of the Overfiend. Tentacle? What? <laughs> Do we want to call them just tentacles? Are we like I, tentacles? I feel I, I feel like it's gonna be pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, I know we call them the cold-blooded sausage man. They. Yurotsuki <laughs> uh, Doji: Legend of the Overfiend is a Japanese erotic horror manga series. Uh, it was written and illustrated by uh, Toshio Maeda, and starting in 1987. This manga was adapted into a series of original video animations uh, released by director uh, Hideki Takayama. The adaptations, they apparently deviated significantly from the manga and they added elements of violence, sadomasochism, and rape that were, uh, were not present in the source material. Um, Yurotsuki Doji has been credited with popularizing the trope of tentacle rape. And uh, the Erotic Anime Movie Guide calls it a formative work in the hentai genre. Uh, so this anime dropped in, I think it was 19, like 1993. It made its way to, uh, I don't want to say home video market, but the catalog video market, uh, with Central Park Media picking it up. Now, before that, it was released, strangely enough, by Penthouse. Yo, when I saw that... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mary Fred. Go ahead, Right? <laughs> so it was released uh, by Central Park Media in 1993 under their Anime 18 label. Uh, it, it was like mail order only, right? You couldn't just, it wasn't just freely or easily available. It, it was probably it was the not first. Going to be in Blockbuster. Yeah, for sure. You were finding this one in Blockbuster. It was the first NC 17 rated anime by the MPAA, uh, which is pretty telling. Uh, so yeah, this uh, this dropped in '93. I don't know about you guys. I I know well half of you guys. We we saw this because uh, collectively found the money to order this, and I think it was one of our friends ordered this, and it was a VHS mail order through the back of a catalog. And it was like it was either a Right Stuff catalog or it was one of the or it was um one of the the. The graphic novels like an yeah. adult graphic novel or something and and we ended up ordering it collectively uh so we could see this and boy I, they were not fucking around when they said it was absolutely not for kids and all the marketing material <laughs> lynette had you ever seen this before i mean no. heard of it came no. to this to i boy i am glad that we didn't start with this anime because i feel like you would have had a very skewed uh image of who we are as people <laughs> Well, I did have to put in, in the chat, go, is this the right one? Because all I had in my notes was go to the Yorkie <laughs> Jojo and look at specials. And I saw like six hours. I was like, I don't know if I can do six uh, hours. That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, said, 
I said, I said to prevent another butterfly thing. Yeah. Please tell me which one I'm supposed to watch. <laughs> it's yeah, it's so it's a lot. This is there's a lot of anime to this. Uh, we, the Legend of the Overfiend is is three episodes or three parts of a, a, a three part series that got merged into a single film and then was released over here. It was apparently even then it had been edited for content when we got the release. So I think it was watching it this time was the first time I'd ever seen it in its entirety. Now, Marco, you've seen this film before. How did you first come to uh, uh, Yuro Doji? I was stationed in Fort Hood. I was living on Tulane, Texas. My wife at the time had gone to Puerto Rico. And I said, all right, let's stop at the video store, all through the animal beads and see what we got. So, I so they actually it. had it at a video store. Yeah, it was a video store. Uh, matter of fact, I know that it was on Ransier. Never forget the street. <laughs> so I went to the video oh, store. Yeah. I went straight to the back through the angle beads. I said, okay, go ahead and give me a movie. The wife's out of town. I need to just want something. So I'm looking through and I said, what's the anime doing back here? So I grabbed the box. I looked at the cover and said, oh, this looks interesting. And the little demon one was right next to it. So I said, all right, then I'll get them both. Went home. Yeah, something to eat, and I watched it on a full stomach. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I remember yeah. watching it, and it made an impact because the storyline was pretty good. To me, it was a philosophical type of script to it, but you had to really look for it to see it. I like to think I'm uh, pretty decent trying to pick out the good stuff. So what I got from the movie might not be what everybody else got well, I think I think it's uh, it's a valid point, a valid criticism of the or not criticism comment is that there is a story in this, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and it's not just this isn't just a dick in a box pizza delivery porno kind of thing. This was it, there was a, a a heavy story here, and then they they filled it with sadomasochism and tentacle rape and violence yeah, and the blanks. Right, it, it it was like um. In lieu of of complex action scenes, everybody fucks. Uh, that was kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will have I will have to say though they I didn't know how to take it, but the first the scene where there was actual consent, it was actually it caused the end of the world. I I kind of felt some kind of way about that. <laughs> oh, you, you... <laughs> so, it was like. It was like, I was like, oh, yay, there's consent. And then, oh, the three realms are being destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So this so, this isn't it. Go ahead, B. So you know how we normally start off with this was a love letter, love letter to blank. Right? Right. I'm surprised we have not done that. So since you haven't, I will go ahead and interject one. What? Please do. Ladies and gentlemen, Yurosuke Doji is a love letter to the term abstinence. <laughs> <laughs> because nothing happens, bad happens to anybody until they bust. And after they bust, <laughs> that's where the bad shit happens. Either <laughs> A, wrap it up, or B, wait till marriage. Don't wait till the person says, well, I love you. No, 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 no. Wait till you <laughs> Get to know this person. Really get to know this person before. <laughs> right? Well, I would have to say it's an equal opportunity. 
because someone, you know, they had a female had a happy ending and the guy exploded. So I felt very good with that. So they, you know, I, I did this. <laughs> I got to comment on this because it really, like when we talked about hentai, I don't know, like a million episodes ago, it was pretty clear that a lot of hentai that came out back in those days, it was it was extremely misogynistic. Um, lots of, of rape. His consent was basically non-existent in any of the hentai that came out back in those in that time. And and this is not any different. Uh, every woman in this exists solely to either, you know, be a, a sleeve or to explode. With the exception of Megumi, who is probably the only strong female character in this, really. Uh, <laughs> like and that. she's a demon, so... <laughs> A beast. He's a beast. Which I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. You had the demons who, yeah, who clearly were suffering from some type of malady, and then you have the man beast. And right. I was like, I don't know. I think that did it translate like that in the in the uh, in the in the I don't know subtitle. Yeah, so in the original, so when we originally saw this in in the mid '90s, like '94, I think we finally got around to picking this one up, and uh, it it was kind of convoluted. Like I, I didn't understand a lot of it as far as like the plot went at first. It took, dare I say, repeat viewings to really kind of catch what was going on because you're in. It's like it's uh. It's, you're shell-shocked. You're watching this, you're like, sweet Jesus, what is going on? And so it really takes a, a fine approach to, to being able to figure out what it was that was happening. So it's three worlds, the demon world, the man-beast world, and the human world are, are going to, they're destined to, to merge. And this, this merger happens at the birth of, of the Chojin, or the Overfiend, and he... And he will, you know, start this merger of the worlds. And then you, you come to find out that there's this, there are factions that don't want that. There are factions that are, are trying actively to kill the Chojin. They don't want this to happen. And 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 your hero characters, Amino, uh, he's like a diehard. He's preaching, you know, the, the, the scriptures here. He's into it. He wants this merger to happen at first. So it's kind of an interesting, it's, it it is hard to talk about this uh, it, it, almost seriously because it is such a an infamous piece of work. This this exists in in a cultural mindshare where everybody like if you say tentacle rape, this is the anime people think of. Like this is the first thing, especially our our age group. This is the first but thing I, that comes to mind. Here's the thing, though. For as much as we got on the hentai, eventually there was there was really great strides for romance in this genre in, in this in the series. You know, everything that was happening between uh, Akime and Nagumo, is that his name? Yep, yep, Nagumo, yeah. I got it right. What's that? Shoot, he's well going. done, sir. I look, man. I mean, so I, I I take I take I take issue with the two of those people. <laughs> I take issue with the fact that you know he sat there and he took credit for rescuing her at the very beginning when he did absolutely nothing. He did he did jack shit. 
Hey, don't you he, judge him. Not there, I thought you would have did the same thing. He got covered by a door and he was out cold. And when he woke up, the girl gave him all the credit and he took it. And, it's, and, and he was good. He look, I get that he's the overfiend, and and I think by the end of this, I was very much in the camp of eh, maybe the overfiend should not come around. Like he should definitely not exist. But dude is like gaslighting her on their first date after this. Is like, oh no, it was a dream. Absolutely, nothing happened. <laughs> she, I think she'd remember getting raped by a demon, bro. Like, <laughs> um, so he's. He's uh, motivated by his penis, right? It's pretty much they make that pretty obvious uh, right from the start. He's motivated by his penis, and and he eventually becomes this the overfiend, the you know the demon lord, uh, who is also motivated by his many penises. Peni, it's like just massive amounts of cock penis. everywhere. <laughs> that they what just is the massive. Hold massive on, dicks that absorb everything around them. Like just... hold on, hold on. Yes, you can't change the mid, you can't change the mid story. Is it penis dicks? <laughs> it can be either one, but that was it was too much. I I just went, you know, there there is a limit. You can't know. There is... you... <laughs> um, <laughs> so So I, I overall, like I feel like I almost, I'm almost willing to go and read the manga version of this, just because, based on what I've I've read, is that they they added a lot of that more extreme content. Uh, I feel like if I were to be able to go to the manga and read this, that I'd probably get more to the meat of the story here, which which is an interesting concept, the idea of merging worlds and demons and all this stuff, very occultish, very not three by three eyes. Uh, oh no. But, Oh no! It wasn't no cayenne wing. It was the giant wing. <laughs> lots, lots of wing. Um, so I have a thought. So, yeah. Not, so you guys were talking about the fact that he, you guys were upset with uh, Magumo for stealing the glory. I was upset with uh, how they were so surprised that this shit was happening. Like his name was Overfiend. You know. What I'm <laughs> Yeah, fiend doesn't necessarily mean a good thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound charitable at all. It doesn't sound <laughs> goodwill or nothing. I mean, definitely does not like he's nothing over, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Right, we're gonna we're gonna merge the three worlds. It's gonna be under our absolute and 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 gentle ruler, the overfiend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that basically everything that was promised happened based upon all the context of what you said this guy's gonna come in and this is another one where you gotta read the whole fine print about it because when you actually meet the overfiend he says yeah we're going to um if humans have fucked up we're going to destroy them and destroy the whole thing and we're going to start anew so they went straight noah on you yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, without a doubt. This was this was scorched earth mentality. It's like all y'all screwed up, I'm gonna kill everybody, and we're just gonna start clean. <laughs> and sorry. Um uh, yeah, it's this is a complex film to cover. 
Uh, and it's, it's a little bit trickier because we're only talking about the first one. Like I did, like, you know, I've seen the, the three. There was the, the Demon Womb, which was the second one. And then there was a third one, uh, which the name eludes me at this point. But there is a, an, overall, an overall plot that does stretch out across these pieces. And uh, it's a little tricky because the, the first one ends very much on a downer. Uh, right. So, right. I wasn't expecting that ending. I was not expecting that ending at all. But yeah. The way that it ended, it segued perfectly into the demon room, but you still had that. What, what happened here? There was a bit of a time skip. And yeah. I thought that was kind of janky because it, there were some things left out. Yeah, and, and, and watching it now, this this version of watching it, it didn't expand on that at all. Like it, it I will say that watching the three part version condensed into the film the way that we did, it it does I felt like it maybe it's just my age, but I felt like I was able to follow things a little more clearly. I felt like maybe there was more plot being ex you know, like the exposition dump happening. Not I don't know, it just it felt more cohesive to me, even though it was technically just three parts merged into one film, than when I originally watched it. But even then, I agree with Marco, it, it ends in such a way that it's kind of a hanger. I, I want to say it's it. they did full Empire Strikes Back before they needed to. Like, they really ended kind of on a downer before they jump into the Demon Womb story. And... Well, I don't think that, that's ever happened before. I think <laughs> you have to start with the interweb to find out has Star Wars and Yurusuke Doji been used in the same sentence. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. Because if you pay attention, the Demon Wound actually should have been first. Then it should have went to the Legend of the Overfame. And then just like, I can't remember that third part. I do remember, I think it was a series called Burning Road with the, with the guy called Buju in it. Um, and then that was after that, the part with the Burning Road took place should have been after the first one, after the legend of the other. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I think really you're right. For the way that they wrote it, they took some uh, stuff from Lovecraft, they took some stuff from Henry Sukumoto. Henry Sukumoto's a dude that wrote a lot of Japanese Harlequin romance type novels, and the way that he did the script, I caught a piece of that, because when I went to Osaka, I went to the castle in Osaka just to go, because I love the overseeing that much. So when I went to Japan, I went to Osaka and I was there and I was checking it out and I was like, man, they did a pretty good recreation of it in the anime too. There was a lot of stuff going on, but there was a lot of deep stuff going on too. I actually thought that the storyline was really good, but like you guys are saying, yeah, they Empire Strikes Back, you know, they Star Wars. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they did. And I I I appreciate that that insight on it, Marco, because it, it's it is hard to give this film a fair shake because you you really do come at it with holy shit there's a lot of dicks like <laughs> it really is hard it really is difficult it's difficult to to give to, to I give heard this it. you said yeah, it it's already it's difficult here. to give this a chance i have to be very careful about my wording <laughs> Uh, it is very difficult to give this story a chance because it is it is a um, because it is so inundated with with um, a lot of just really negative things like a lot of just really hard misogyny, a lot of really hard sadomasochism, a lot of things like that. So it it's challenging, and I I 
I appreciate anybody that can can watch this film and come out of it talking about its its actual plot points because it is it is challenging to find the plot because you're just swimming in dick. <laughs> um, so did you did you guys? I, I know you haven't. Uh, I know you haven't uh, um, seen it, Lynette. But the do you remember the sequels like the Demon Womb and then the the next one with the 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 Nazi cyborg guy. Big <laughs> memories. So here's one of the things I do remember. I remember that in one episode, Megumi, she gets with the demon, and the demon is flying with her. And since we're speaking about multiple dicks, he has a Gatling dick. <laughs> Old painless. <laughs> So that that was the second one. I'm pretty sure it's second one. Yeah, and we lost <laughs> rapid fire. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Lynette has left the chat. Oh, uh, so <laughs> well, here we go back to Henry Sukumoto. Uh The demon's name was Kahoki, and Kahoki and Megumi they had a little tryst. Hundred years that went by because Kahoki was expelled from the demon realm by the queen. And he got sent to hell. So when Muni Housing came back with that uh that Cadbury egg, and he pulled up the chick, and then Shorty came back. Yeah, the Cadbury. <laughs> well, no, Muni Housing was holding this real big egg when he was at the top of this skyscraper. He had came out some random chick. Then he drops her. Kahoki pops up after he summoned him. But the thing I was looking at was Kahoki was really in love with Magumi, and he ended up giving his life for her. And you got a yeah. stretching across realms. That's that Harlequin romance. That's that Henry Supermodel type love. That's why I say it's like a lot of deep stuff going on in there. And you have to get past the gratuitous tentacles to actually see it. But it's there if you, if you pay attention. Yeah, it feels like this film is, is steeped in a lot of um, ancient Japanese lore, right? In the same sort of style of storytelling that they, they always have about Kami, right? It's one thing you can all agree on is that the Japanese have some of the most diverse uh and and both interesting yet also terrifying uh gods uh spirits demons things like they have a, a toilet demon they have like just all kinds of creatures in their lore and and it feels like this is not a god or a demon right and it feels like this is kind of uh steeped heavily in a lot of that lore not not literally but in the spirit of that content um oh the liquid that you're they're using to steep it like it, is it gonna be like a tea or is it more bukake related i mean which where do you it's think this is, yeah, is know, I'm, I'm going with that yeah this is without a doubt a steeped in semen um. <laughs> whenever the they show the the tentacles like i got you lady I'll put, I'll, I'll, I'll put the hat on for you all right. Whenever they show the, the, the tentacles ejaculating, they look so venomous. Like, like it's so... That's not the way that happens, though. So it's like a... This is like a, a, a metaphor for how men think of their penis. Like, like every, every dude thinks their penis has, like, a mind of its own. <laughs> and, and, in this, and in this anime, they really do kind of just have minds of their own. Yeah, and, and so it, I never thought about the physics, the biology about this. Does it act more like a tail wagon on a dog, or is it 
actually sentient and they can stroke it and talk to it like hey buddy how you doing today let's go get that i mean have we put much thought into this I definitely haven't, but it feels like maybe you've explored the uh, the theology here. Why don't you Why don't you uh, expand on it? The biology, not the theology, because it will be the biology. Well, it's a cho. He's the chojin. I mean, he's so you know. It's. I feel like there's some some theology to be had. You're talking about you know demon lords. Well, numerous once we, penises. Once we get to the to the mass absorption, we're talking about basically on a corporate level about what these dicks do to people. We can talk about the theology, but we're actually just talking about when one dick and one person, or or five dicks and one person, <laughs> they're, they're, there's, that's more biology. Do the demon's dick act more like a, a, a the, the tail of a dog wagging, or do you actually think that they're people? I, 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 I defer to your expertise, Brian. Nope. No, 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 no. You guys. I would have to say. I'm leaning more towards the tail of a cat. Like, I don't think the guy really had any idea what his thing was going to do. I mean, it had its own eye and teeth. It did whatever it wanted. And you see how, like, cats would look at their tail and go, what the? And hit it. I, I feel <laughs> like the dudes were probably doing the same thing, where it's like they were going after girl A, but like two or three were just like, I'm just going to go do whatever I want. And they just look, and the guy is just standing there. <laughs> He's just helpless. He can't stop. He's just, they're just doing whatever they want. It's like, what are you going to do? Stop it. That to me is like, that's how I'm just tired of putting any effort into it. It's like, okay, fine, do whatever you want. Because most of the most of the characters before before they got beat up for doing whatever it was they were doing, they were just standing there. Just going, I'm scary. And and everything else was doing its own thing. So <laughs> yes, you can add the sound effects that it's terrible that I did that. But that was the only thing that I was thinking of. That was great. I, that was a great sound effect. She's still free well done. I want lasagna. So uh, episode one ends, or episode one, part one, ends on a real, I want to call it a kind of a bummer, it, that, that he, the Overfiend wakes up and his dicks destroy a hospital and absorb everything in sight, right? And you're like, holy shit. And then the next, ep the next part starts and everything's fine. It was just an explosion at the hospital. And it's kind of just this weird moment where I'm like, everybody's suddenly okay. Nobody's nope, no, nobody's talking about Godzilla-sized kaiju tentacles. No, nothing. Just and everybody's really comfortable with each other again. Like when the first episode ends, um, Aika is or Akemi, Akemi, Akemi is horrified and angry with Nagumo, right? Because Megumi comes up and she's all flirty with him and she slaps the living shit out of him and she runs off all upset. The next episode, she is swooning when he rolls up to school like an idiot. And she's just like running down like he's the hero of the hour, completely forgiving him. So it was very, it was very um, disjointed narratively at that point. And I'm like, hmm, okay, so she just... It was standard anime fare. Heavy shit goes down, but we're not going to carry it over to the next episode. We're going to gloss over that, and we're just going to, everybody's going to be cool. Hey, didn't you find out that he got hit by a car? Sorry. Right. I thought she, I thought she found out he got hit by a car. 
He sure did. He got hit. The dude was stone cold dead and doesn't come up again. And it's just sort of an interesting, it's something I wanted to comment on because it, it was jarring for me. And, and I hate when that happens. Like you, you did a lot. Like this isn't the CW. You can't just blow up a town. And then the next episode, everybody's like, let's go get milkshakes. Like it's shit happened and you need to address this. And, and they didn't. They start the next part, and, and she's all swooning over him again, who not deserving of it. And then they're all like, hey, let's go to the demon world and visit the Elder. And he's just like, nobody wants to talk about dude got hit by a car, turned into a kaiju, and his dicks destroyed a hospital. Nobody wants to bring this up. Everybody's cool. Cool. So while there is a an overall storyline, it... it they miss some beats in no. trying to connect these parts. Uh, and that frustrated me a little bit. I really wish that they would have addressed it. You can't just have escalation and ignore it. I feel like that that doesn't serve serve the, the plot. It's, uh, that frustrated me. I wanted to talk about it. But the reason I brought up episode uh, part two, I keep calling them episodes, but like part two was because part two was was kind of cool in that, if anything, it is... It is absolutely all about peer pressure, right? The the kid, uh, Yuichi, he's the nerd of the group and the nerd of the school and, and, and he's getting chastised. He's ignored. His, his affections are ignored. And and then the, the I don't I want to call him the local lesbian troop. I don't really know. They decide to torture him by bringing him to some orgy and being just dismissive of him. I don't know. The point is, is they're being really mean to him and they're bullying him and and then they get fucked up, horribly fucked up. Is, is it? Does anybody know if that happens in real life? <laughs> Good. Being invited to lesbian orgies to be tortured. Yeah, the same time. I think I was just too cool that I never got. I never got a you know uh, abused yeah, that I way. I never got the invite. <laughs> I didn't get hazed that badly, so it was. You would have seen like a brochure for something like that, right? They wouldn't have made brochures for that. Come join our lesbian party. Yeah, I feel like cool. that probably. Would have made the rounds, but I, you know. Um, so he gets he has he witnesses just some of the most graphic, horrific things being done to women. Admittedly, at least one of them was pretty mean, but I don't know that she deserved what she got. And and then he's peer pressured into which uh, did they even name the demon? But there's this demon who's got like this wide gaping jaw. And he's like huffing aerosol. He's got like a ball cap on and he's huffing aerosol and he's like, yeah, you gonna get it. And I'm like, what is this dude? And and him and the and the demon in the trench coat, they peer pressure uh, Yuichi to chop off his own dick. I just want the peer pressure is very strong in that episode. <laughs> we didn't even really peer pressure him that much. <laughs> They gave him one that looked like a catfish, though. That part I didn't get. Like, yo, it looks like a straight catfish. Like, it needs to be wrapped in seaweed and rice and served. Right. And yet, he's going to chop off his. Like, yo, I'm about to act like I'm in the DR and I'm going to get an upgrade. Like, wait. They yeah. do it out of so positively. There you go. This, and he, he, it's just like, he's, oh, like, I couldn't even, like, that was probably the scariest part of this whole series for me was watching him with the knife in his hand. I'm like, don't do it, dude. Don't, okay, don't, what you got, what? <laughs> what you got, 
does not look like a better replacement. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, blood spray made it worse. I, I, that's that's what I was doing too. I was like, no, 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 no. It's not worth it. Don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> you know, because of the type of uh, film it it's was. Like, I just had look at it. You don't look at this and go, "This is gonna get me laid." Like. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wrote, I wrote my synopsis for part two is peer pressure is a slippery slope to chopping off your own dick. Still won't make you cool. Uh, that's basically what all of part two is. He, yeah. he, he, hey, <laughs> you, you summed up part two. <laughs> Can't do it no better. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Round of applause, y'all. Round of applause. So I understand what they were doing, right? So this, if anything, you, this this whole anime, there's little bits of and pieces of different kinds of stories and different kinds of relationships. And in part two, this is they definitely wanted to address, uh, you know, what it is to to be the outcast, what it is to be uh, made fun of, and to be the the ridic you know ridiculed and peer pressured, and all these things that are indicative of high school. And and they really did uh, drill down into the the fears of that and what it is to be. And of course they immediately pervert it to its most horrific outcome possible. But the fears are real. The experiences of being, of feeling that way, that this kid, Yuichi, felt, those were real. And, and I, I liked that, that, a, <laughs> that a hentai anime from the late 80s tried to address that at all. Um, but it was definitely ended up being a power corrupts absolutely kind of situation. And, it just did not end well for that kid <laughs> at all. First, it melted, and then he. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when someone hands you a demon dong, just toss it and walk away. Right? <laughs> just, mm -hmm. just nope. Don't don't need that. No, we're good. So I I put it to you guys for this now is part three. Moves starts to take the story forward. I feel like part two doesn't really take it, it, this. This feels like chapters in a manga, in the sense of, well, we've got all this content, we're going to make this into film. So they took, like, that feels like a chapter in a manga. And then part three is where they kind of pick up the original narrative arc from the first episode. And they're going to kind of, like, keep pushing through to this overfiend coming, um, coming into power kind of thing. Would you guys agree that, that that's kind of like part three is... I don't want to say Return of the Jedi. It's not. Um, <laughs> It's it's definitely Act Three of Empire. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> All right. So I I agree with you with the said with the statement that it feels like it's the, the Act Three of of Empire Strikes Back. Right. Um, the problem, or not even the issue, the the situation that you find yourself in, is that Amino's the only one who's still trying to figure out what's going on. You know, saying like he feels like there has to be something that we're missing. He's doing this. He's do why is he doing this? Until he gets to the point where he actually meets the overteam, he's still holding on to. He thinks Nagumo's a good guy, right? Yeah, he's like, I don't understand why this overteam thing is going so wrong. I mean, it's supposed to be like unifying. What's what's going on here? So even someone mistranslated the word fiend. That's what happened. <laughs> I feel like it was a, somebody got a, tat, a Japanese tattoo and they didn't know what it was supposed to be. <laughs> and then they find out, oh, it's not koi fish. It's overfeed. 
fuck. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> That's my bad. That's on to me. But even after all this shit goes away, and Orphine tells Amino that, hey, he's he's doing his job. He's destroying the world. Humanity sucks. He's still like, I'm going to wait to see the world. What is he waiting for? Like, what is the... How did they... Did they stop the Overfiend from rampaging? No. The well, Overfiend... He just gave up. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to wait and see then. Yeah, the Overfiend promised better. And basically, basically, he's... From what I understood, it's... In order to reset, you have to fully reset, you know? Burn it all from destruct- down. From destruction comes creation. So what he's saying is... Is that there... His, father is paving the way for the overfiend to create the promise but again can you put someone with the name fiend in her name but you can't create but you have to destroy what's already there yeah but so so what's with the ultimate timeout that happened between megumi coming out the body to tell him hey this is go ahead and kill ourselves you know what i'm saying i that's a, a collective hand shrug for me on that one. I don't see, and it, it that was problematic for me because Megumi's probably my favorite character in this whole series. Not Megumi, Akemi, Akemi. Yeah, you're talking about Akemi. When Akemi comes out and she says, "Hey, let's just kill ourselves," and he's about to kill him, and the next thing you know, the Ofrim retakes the body and freezes everything. What? Huh? Mm-hmm. That's because he had to wait the death state to be reborn once everything got burned down so they could rebuild it. From my understanding of it, what I tend to think about it is that when he was absorbing everybody into all three pieces of sausage and he was blowing everything up, his whole thing was that innocents are going to be saved for now. They're going to be brought back later. But everybody that's evil that doesn't need to be around that's not going to contribute is just going to stay permanently gone. There's no coming back with the Dragon Balls after that. That's just my that's that's just my my take on it. The dragon right. ball or the demon balls? <laughs> we didn't see any balls. We actually saw lots of sauces, cold blooded sauces. Yeah, I agree with Marco on this one. There, I don't, I don't, I can't say definitively that testicles exist in the demon world. I'm just saying, like, yeah, never seen them. Like, I don't even know where they're getting all this stuff that they're shooting out. Like, uh, <laughs> Peter North. I don't know where they're getting it from because you never see any type of testicle. Yeah. But I do have to say that, in my opinion, Amino is the bad guy. He's the bad guy of the whole series. And that's because he pushed so much for the Overfiend, and everybody's telling him no. The Elder told him no. The demons were telling him no. It's not what you think it is. He was just, like, idealistic. So much so that he was just one-tracking the entire time just to make sure that the Overfiend came up. And then when he seen him, he seen these five cops blasting power, power stations and blowing up volcanoes and whatnot. Then he had that moment like, hey, maybe I did too much. Maybe I should have let this rock out. In my opinion, Amino was the worst person in the whole series, but I like him for the fact that he wanted to see it through to the end. But he asked the scary question. He was not prepared for that. You know what they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. He wanted, he, he, he took the good part out of the story and thought it was going to be good from beginning to end. And he totally mm-hmm. misunderstood the whole fiend part. He can't, yeah, he kind of went full QAnon, right? Like he was like buying buying all the, the story and the hype. Um, and then people were like spouting facts of like, yo, his name is Fiend. And they're like, 
Amino's like, look, you make a valid argument, but no. And um, you're right, Marco. He he really is kind of like the unintentional villain, I think. You know, because like like you said, Vic, his intentions were good. But yeah, without him, none of that would have happened. Are we getting uh, he, he, right now? What's that? Is the over thing the top the, the telling of forty five? Are we is that where we're going? <laughs> no, it absolutely is not. The misogyny <laughs> match lines up, but it's not a. I I think that uh, it, so it's it's a very dark tale. Of course, we've established that. But like like you said, Lynette, it's it's a it's a story of rebirth. If I'm paraphrasing you, but it's it's sort of Phoenix from the Ashes kind of stuff, uh, which is it's pretty common. It's a common trope in in stories that that lean a little darker, right? Is that we're gonna burn it all to the ground? Hell, the Bible's got a bunch of that. Let's burn it all to the ground to build it back up stuff in it. Um, so lots of religions and lores are built on the very concept of of eradicating all life and starting anew. Uh, sort of the yin and yang of it. I think it's also a statement i think it's also a statement of how you can be tunnel vision to the with hope right like all you're seeing is this peace this you know future of everything being so great and that's what amino had he had this tunnel vision he saw the ending but he didn't see what was needed to get there until it was slapped in his face right you know mm. and that was that what yeah it was, all, it was all sorts I knew of slapping. you're not gonna let her have that one i knew it. <laughs> Nope. Yes, that's that's how I that's how I saw it. I saw I saw them, I saw part two is kind of like the hint to Amino. It's like, hey, you know, if you keep doing this, you see how crazy this guy is right now, and he's just fighting one dude. What would happen if he became like super Saiyan overfeed? So when this when this started to wrap up near the end of, of uh, like you said, uh, Lynette, with the whole, you finally got consent and it was, it brought about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that they were going for a whole Antichrist story. Like they were going to be like, the, their progeny is going to be the Overfiend kind of thing. And, and, and that, you know, was going to be how the story plays out. But it didn't really end that way. Not really. Not, not in my opinion. Because uh, the Overfiend is still the Overfiend. She just fucked him into submission because the world didn't end really sort of i don't know what do you guys think uh talk me through your your thoughts on the end i've been confused this entire this time this confused with this portion <laughs> because the fact that did she did we do we leave with him still just destroying the world or did they stop the destruction He's still destroying it. Did you? I mean, there was a massive amount of laser splooge everywhere, so who knows? So the credits roll with him just going off and ah, blah, 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 blah. or I thought that he had there some. You know what? We're gonna pause right now. We're gonna take a step back, reevaluate, see if there's a way we can come across this a little differently. I don't know what did they stop the destruction. Or did they keep the destruction going and then send us off our merry way? Kept the destruction. Now, when Amino went to go see the Elder and he got teleported to the future, Amino was flying around. The destruction was intermittent. So he would have rest periods of when he had to rebuild up his laser spooge and then start blasting everything around. Because Amino got to fly around 
in the time of the anime, maybe the equivalent of like maybe five, ten minutes. There were baby demons raping women. Uh, thankfully, there were no more women with four titties. And uh, they were running around, still getting ass or whatever. And the demons knew it was coming ahead of time because you would see them drop the ladies and then they would dip off in the cut. I'm going to stand there like, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, the overfitting will start moving around and then you see five wings start shooting out like Peter North in an orgy with Vanessa Del Rio. So, yeah, you know, stuff that was left. That's when he went up. And then the elder was like, yo, you're doing too much. We don't need them around. This, that, and that. Uh, it was just there were breaks in it and then like even during the Burning Road series there were intermittent breaks in it there were still demons trying to make sure that Overfiend didn't come back because they liked everything the way that it was there were people still hopeful that he would come back and reunite everything and then Amino was still doing his thing just trying to make sure he saw everything through to me yeah there was no happy ending here Brian yeah I don't it was the equivalent of just give me five minutes, baby. Five five minutes. Five minutes, baby. I'll be all right. Just give me five minutes. Well, that's and then I, he, he came back, and then he had more more to give. <laughs> it's uh, so I think I think it's probably a good time for us to start kind of um bringing this in, uh bringing it bringing it home here. Me, let's go with our final yeah a climax if if you will uh, our final thoughts on the legend of the Overfiend. It's I feel like we've. We've dug pretty deep into this, considering what we're talking about is infamous for pretty much one thing. So uh, let's let's dig in just a little bit more with our final thoughts. I'll start with you, Vic. Vic, uh, Legend of the Overfiend. Now, what? Thirty years later, almost. How how do we uh, how do we feel about it? It's still an interesting story. I mean. Yes, it's still literally for adults only. You know, definitely do not let your kids watch this. Do not. Hell, do, some adults probably shouldn't watch it either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once you get past all the wangs and the splooge and the people exploding and all that fun stuff, uh, it's actually a decent story underneath. The greatest of stories? No. Decent story for sure. So um, I'm going to hand this one over to you, Brian. <laughs> Let's let's get your your final thoughts on the Overfiend. So it does hold up for me, especially after the hentai debacle. I was mm. really terrified about coming back into something of this nature. Um, however, while there wasn't, while there are definitely negative aspects of of of, of rape present. It's not like the entire thing was negative. You did see some wonderful interaction between Kimmy and and uh, Naguma. And I think that redeemed a lot of it, even though it did bring about the end of the world. But that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's splitting hairs, you know? Um, it's something that needs to be said that for, for all the mysticism that is brought into it, we have seen way more arcane shit happen in different ones. They just did it based upon the power of the Overfiend. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you got right. any satanic symbols that was being brought out or uh, at least until you get to the Nazi death machine, but death rate machine, but <laughs> it, That's part it, two. It's part two. Yeah, it, it felt it really, it felt like a horny Incredible Hulk as opposed to <laughs> 
is that what would happen if the Hulk got some? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, Lynette, Lynette, I, I'd like to. I'm not. I'm not shying away from you, Marco. I just. I'm going to save you for last because I feel like you've got more insight on this, Lynette. How how did this? How, how did you feel about this? Because you don't have any history with this, and coming to it under with modern eyes uh, in in today's timeline and today's climate. How how do you feel about the legend of the Overfiend? I feel like the added tentacles was more of like a shock and awe thing. Like, how do we get? It wasn't in theaters, but this is the best way I can think of it. How do you get butts in seats? You gotta right. shock them, right? But I feel like after you get past all that, after you get past the crazy exploding, and you um, look at the story, I found that I could ignore the extra tentacles and the extra stuff just the extra and see what was going on behind the scenes you know like what what kind of stories are trying to tell what kind of character development was going on you it's amazing how with this type of show that there was a lot of there was character development except for you know i mean he was just he was just horny all the time so but all, all the time <laughs> yeah so all it wasn't the a, there wasn't there was a little bit of growth with him but it was mostly with um the other characters you can see like megumi grow and everybody's just growing in the story is coming and saying you know this is something you know when i saw the ending i was like oh this reminds me of every clamp anime i've ever seen it never ends with a happy ending no clamp ends as a happy ending it's always like and they lived or and they all died and that's mm -hmm. what i felt like this one was so i was strangely enough i was actually able to enjoy it and I would have to say that if I in, in, if I had brought in someone else, I would definitely have to do like a big old PSA slideshow. Don't do, the, <laughs> you know, type of thing. And if you will take note, at 22 minutes, shit gets dark. We're not going yeah, right. to. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I feel like you have to kind of like, you know, prep people to watch it. I came in yeah. prepped, so I was like, oh, okay, I can I can kind of ignore that stuff and and look past it but i i have to i hate to say it, but i enjoyed it i i really did all right thank you for that now marco you we've invited you to join us today and I, i'm really glad we did because i can tell that you've you've done the homework on this and the overfiend story uh you you've really dug into it uh give me your your thoughts on this as a product of its time right uh, releasing now does this hold up do you know usually the way we approach this is, is do you do you feel like uh modern audiences could take this in without issue or, you know just talk 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 me through it okay uh first thing i want to say i think the overfang borrows some different concepts from american style movies the first scene where nagumo's in a locker room and he's rubbing one off to all the girls in the locker room that reminded me of porky's and also, I think it gave some stuff to some other people, and I think it's had influence, not just in anime, but in regular movies, too, because if you look at American Pie, Nagumo got one off when he was sitting in the ball cage when Buddy hit him in the face with the ball. There's so much stuff going on that I think it holds up, but it's only for a select type of audience. I think it's for degenerates like us, because we understand that we appreciate different forms of art. And we see things where people might see trash, and this is 
this is terrible. Well, what I saw, I, I saw a really good storyline, although it could have been pieced together better. I agree with Lynette, the character development for certain individuals. Nagumo could have had more development outside of him just trying to put his cock in the Kimmy. We've seen things, like I said, like um, the influence like with the Coco thing now and Nikki jumping into the room after Nagumo prematurely busted on a, a Kimmy's face and he cleaned it up. Like There's so much going on and there's so much stuff that I think that it gives itself to other because I'm telling you, there's people that have watched it and they won't admit it to you. I'm telling you right now, there's people that have watched it that won't admit it to you. And I wholeheartedly agree with what you say. When you think of technical rape, is the first thing that pops in your mind. But do I I really think it does hold up? I think they would try to meet to the Chojin for the fact that he was doing a whole lot without asking. Yeah, <laughs> true and story. Also, because I don't know which version you saw. But the version I saw when we first got introduced to Magumi, Magumi was having sex with a demon, and then when she popped off, she ended up burning him up. Yep. So there was consent only twice. <laughs> <laughs> there was only two times there was consent. And But I think the storyline was good. There were some underrated characters. Fui Kakuju was an underrated character because he tried to tell Amino, like, yo, we don't need to overthink. Amino said he knew who it was, and Sweet Kakuju called up Ma O. Ma O is a real Japanese deity. He he is a well, not a real deity, but he's real for yeah. He's part part of yeah. actual lore. Yeah, yeah, he's actually part of actual lore. And I thought that was real interesting too. And then for Sweet Kakuju to take Nikki's body, hit it with the horn, and then bring himself back just to try to stop him. Like there was so much going on. And I think it tied in together pretty good. I do think, and I agree with y'all on the fact that Demon Womb should have been first. Because the ending of the first one, there was so much stuff that was left out. But I really love the anime. I, I got a couple versions on the hard drive. Like I said, I watched it back in 1995 and it made that much of an impact with me that I can actually see its influence in other type of movies. I actually think it does hold up. I actually think it's a good series. It does need some work. They'll never go back and redo it. Kind of, kind of upset about that. Kind of thankful about that. At the same time, that somebody would mess it up if they tried to do it. Yeah, but yeah. No, they, they, they probably. No, go sorry, ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. It just I, they did apparently attempt to start to do a remake of it, uh, but it, it didn't it didn't get far. Um, at least that's what I'd read. I thought you said they were going to try to do a live action version of it. <laughs> 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 no, they have a live action version of a blue girl. Yeah, yeah that they do. That and, and that and, one is terrible. And that's what I was going to kind of uh, talk about. Is like what what is what this anime is famous for is is tentacle rape, right? That this was to a lot of Western audiences, this was the first ever experience seeing tentacle rape. So much so that they, you know, even like famous hentai channels and stuff, they they lean hard on the whole tentacle rape trope. There's even a soda that was manufactured, Tentacle Grape, that was uh, released. Which, come on, that's that's a clever fucking name, Tentacle Grape. Well, it was actually a pretty good soda. soda too. And and it was you know it was a limited run thing, but it was uh, it, this has become infamous for that thing, and because it is that thing, it is so difficult for people to come at this, willing to let it take them on a journey. 
uh, because they, they come into it with preconceptions like, oh, well, this is where all the tentacle rape and, and the sick, twisted, misogynistic, sadomasochistic roller coaster of fuckery is. That's what this is. And so that all those preconceptions are, are in them before they even sit down with it. So they don't get a chance to to really delve into it and let it take them on a journey, which is very difficult to do. It's uh, We talked about this in our hentai episode. Hentai in the 80s and 90s was really, really difficult to defend in this day and age. There is a lot of really horrible stuff. Women are objectified and tormented and tortured and and raped and pillaged and all these, just every horrible euphemism you can think of. And it, it happens throughout hentai in that, in that era. And I don't know that it ever went away, but it certainly started getting a little more roundabout, I guess. Like there's more different kinds of stories being told as time went on. But back then, that's what Lynette was saying. That's what got butts in the seats, right? That's what people, people were coming in for the shock and awe because they'd seen heavy metal. They weren't impressed with Tarna the Tarakian, right? They they were ready for some extreme shit. They wanted their minds to be blown. And this did that. This did that to an umpteenth degree. Uh, we we had animation quality that was really good. This was 87 mm-hmm. when this was done. And we're talking really good animation quality put into a porno, which I, I, I hate to be reductive, but that's what this is. And... And for for a lot of people, like this is, I want to say the gold standard of of eighties and nineties hentai is like you had this, and then you had the blue girl. The blue girl was nowhere near as well animated. It was a schlock fest. Uh, it was like a parody of porn almost. And then this took itself very seriously and tried to tell a very serious story and injected it with horrific things. So. If anything, it's less of a porno, maybe more of a horror film, but it it's become synonymous with with hentai, to, especially to audiences of our age group. What, Brian? Wish it had. I wish it had the same type of effect when not all like all jacuzzis are hot tubs. Not all hot tubs are jacuzzis. <laughs> you know. That surprisingly works. Is, 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 yeah, it, it is. All typical rape is in your doji, but, but it, yeah, it, I get it. Right. Uh, so I, I, I think I just, I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking on all of you. There is, there is a story here to be had, but it, it definitely, Lynette is absolutely right. It definitely comes with a prerequisite that you clear the way for this before you ever recommend this to anybody it is a sit down i have a 25 minute slideshow on what you're about to experience we need to go through this first because otherwise it's so infamous that people are going to come at it with the wrong paradigm and that's and that's too bad because as a as a narrative story as a horror film that's that's kind of where i think i'm i'm ending on this is that this is less of a porno, more of a horror film with porn elements in it. And if you you come at it from that angle, I think you're more inclined to give it a chance. Uh, because a lot of people love a good horror film, and it's hard to argue that this isn't a horror film. A lot of horrible shit happens. But when people come at it from the, well, this is animated porn, it's like, okay, well, 
yes, that there is animated pornography in this, but that's not the story. So <clears throat> does it hold up? Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, but it it parts of it don't. The porn doesn't hold up for me. The porn is not it's it's not exciting, it's not titillating, it's not arousing, it's disturbing. And and I guess maybe that's the point because again, it's a horror film. And I think I think the more you you approach it with that the better off you'll be. And I think if you if you're selling this to somebody, you say, well, this is a horror film. It's extremely graphic. It's, it's extremely violent. It's like if Rob Zombie was on meth, what kind of horror film could he make? Like I that's. Gotta, I, I gotta <laughs> this is how Hellraiser should be when they drop it next month. Right Hellraiser there you go. <laughs> when they do the Hellraiser twenty two. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that that's my bill of sale for this is that it does hold up, but it holds up under scrutiny, like you or with scrutiny. You have to scrutinize it for what it is. And if you treat it like a horror film, you'll get more out of it than if you treat it like a porno, because you're not going to get aroused by this. You're going to be horrified by it. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to add after my endless rant? Yeah, check out the Venus Five. That was the only other video that I would say would be almost in the same class as the Overfiend, the Venus Five. That's from the Sons of the Old Story. We did watch that one. We did watch Venus. And we argued in our hentai episode that that Venus Five was probably one of the better pieces of hentai from the era, simply because it knew what it was, and it was very very much a parody of a thing. And it's what made it, I don't know, I I, I did. I, I did enjoy it, actually. So, so yes, I agree. Venus Five was how we started with uh, the hentai episode. It was Venus Five, and because we we had started with uh, we did cool devices, we were going to try to do cool devices. Crazy, yeah, and that, that shit just took us down a rabbit hole, and we were like, "Wow, this is what the fuck did we just watch?" And that kind of just led into the whole hentai episode. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Marco. It's it, Venus Five lives in the same kind of wheelhouse as as this, um, but parrot more parody than horror film i would say for i would say for both of them they both require a psa to say this is what you're gonna watch yeah. prepared <laughs> <laughs> you know so anybody coming into it not knowing what's happening they they need a little bit of a disclaimer yeah for sure i'm sorry before we, before we end i know where i've been, where I've been uh, and again this was also another penthouse release it was the caligula sure. Absolutely, old, Caligula. Yeah, old school Caligula with uh, Roddy, uh, with Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. Absolutely, right. yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. can see, I could, I can see what you're saying with that. Yeah, it it does exist in that same kind of realm for what it was as a product. Like, yeah, Caligula to me, not so much titillating, so much as horrifying. And you know, and 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 I feel like this lives in that world, you know, sort of. But yeah, it succeeds as a horror film. A horror film with a narrative. It's got a story to tell, and and it's probably worth checking out. So, guys, I think it's going to do it uh, for this episode. I think we're good. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I do appreciate it. I like. I, I would like to come back again if possible. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, Marco. It was great. We really appreciated your insight. All right, folks. So until next time, keep calm and have more tentacle grape. <laughs> <laughs> You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd, presented by Geek Grotto. 
Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe. 